I am fascinated, intrigued, and honored you by may the have done what they said you did, but they are magnificent, they marvelous. Are. You need to know that you're okay just the way you are. You succeeded in you as a child. What you've been through matters. This podcast is designed for you. It's Love on a mission hope. in a world where human experience is lacking. My name is Ginger Wilk, and we're here to talk about that which matters. Welcome to That Which Matters. I'm excited about the fact that this concludes our season one of the episodes that have been launched during this period of time. And uh, I'm very, very thrilled about the topic today. This is something that I have thought about and discussed with other people for a really long time. It's a very simple yet very profound concept of one's birthday. Now, I know when you think about a birthday, you think about initially, you know, the excitement of the cake and, you know, the celebration of the food or the gifts or the coming together. It's something that has a happy tone to it and something that most people really look forward to. It's a lighthearted event that people can share and experience from the time that they're one years old to the time that they're 99 years old. It, it's something that we enjoy doing and celebrating. However, just like many of the things that we've talked about in this podcast, uh, simple words Simple concepts can be very, very complicated when it comes to human experiences, and birthdays are one of them. I have sat in sessions with people time and time again talking about their birthdays, birthdays in the past, birthdays in the present, anticipating the birthdays to come, or every year if they're return clients, when it's about to be their time where they're going to be celebrated it brings about all sorts of issues, all sorts of discussions. It really represents a whole lot more than what anybody would think. If you were getting ready to celebrate a friend or a family member's birthday, you would never think about all of the concepts that are associated with one simple event, but it's loaded with meaning. And so I just want you to understand that when we think about a birthday. What is the definition of a birthday? I know it sounds so strange to think about, what do you mean? What's a definition? But the definition is the anniversary of something starting or something being founded. So yes, it is the beginning of our lives. It is the beginning of our life moving on in a direction where we're going to grow and change and where we're going to contribute to the community and the world around us and simply just to celebrate who we are. And so it should be very special and it should be a happy time, but it can be so triggering. And I just want to share with you just a couple of examples of some people who have shared with me about their birthday experiences with their permission. This one is a grown man who I have uh, worked with in different occasions, and he often will tell a story about, I believe he was nine, he was nine years old, and he lived in the projects and didn't have a lot of money, and he used to see and experience other friends having birthday parties where, you know, they were the center of the attention, the cake was, you know, decorated with their names on it, and a song was sung with their name in it, and they had their moment, and he never really had that year after year after year. And so finally, when he was nine years old, 
he just had enough. And he said, I'm just going to do this myself. And so he went around and told all of his friends, he said, you know, whatever, Friday at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a birthday party for me. There's going to be a birthday party at my house at 5 o'clock on this day. And he didn't say anything to his mom about it. Um, he didn't prepare anything. He just pushed this thing into existence. And so sure enough, 5 o'clock on Friday, one child after another after another started showing up at the door. And his mother didn't know anything about it. And she was a good, good woman. But she was just completely caught off guard. And people knocked on the door and said, we're here for, let's just call him John. We're here for John's birthday party. And she said, what birthday party? There ain't no birthday party here for John and turned them away one after another, after another. And he tells that story. And whenever he tells that story, my heart just absolutely breaks. And he said that he told it at his job where he works uh, by day. And um, just, I mean, he's got to be in his fifties. I think it was two years ago. Um, all of his other colleagues threw him a birthday party at the place where they work, um, and they got him Spider-Man cups and plates and all sorts of things that you can blow and a cake and everything that you can imagine to try to make up for that nine-year-old birthday party that never happened and that broke his heart. And there are so many stories. I'm sure that if we asked people to call in and to tell their stories about their birthdays, there would be many of them. And I have literally met with people on a regular basis. One person that I met with talked about the fact that they were always disappointed every single year with their birthday. They, they never really got what they wanted. They never really got the celebration that they wanted. And one year, they actually got everything that they wanted on their list, and they started crying. And they started crying because, just like in the episode about hope, they never really could comprehend that they would actually get it. They expected disappointment because that's what they got year after year after year. And so there's a lot of baggage attached to birthdays. And I know for me, I have had simple, but yes, consistent birthday celebrations as a kid. Very simple, you know. And by the way, birthday celebrations was something that, first of all, it started in Egypt when Pharaoh would be coronated or um, even when they would think that they were moving on to being, quote, gods, there would be a what they called a birthday celebration. But it really only started in, um, I believe it's the early 1800s, was the first time that America in the U.S. that um, there was actually, the, you know, yes, in the 20th century that birthdays were considered a tradition. So it's not that old, actually. And each culture is going to have a different kind of spin on it. For instance, my sister lived in India for a very long time. And in India, and she discovered this the first birthday that she was actually there, they will knock on your door, friends and, and people that you know, will knock on your door at midnight, at midnight on your birthday, and and you open the door probably in your pajamas or your bathrobe or something, and there they are standing at the door with a cake at midnight, and that's the celebration. And I think it's really cool that there's acknowledgement the very moment that it becomes the day that you deserve to be celebrated. Um, but every culture has a different view. And when I was a child, you know, it was just simply have, you know, a couple of cousins and, you know, my grandparents over with a simple cake, you know, maybe some potato chips or whatever. It wasn't a lot. Um, and you fast forward over to when my daughters were growing up and they grew up in a pretty wealthy town and 
Um, I remember bringing them to some of their birthday parties and people would have, you know, like huge, huge events um, of multi things going on that cost a lot of money. I remember one time each person got their own basketball as their little gift, you know, like, you know, sometimes like when I was little, I would get a little tiny bag and it would have candy and a little plastic toy in it. I mean, everybody got a basketball or even more. I mean, it, it was tremendous, the celebrations, but we would celebrate our daughters big. That was one thing that we really wanted to do was despite the things that we thought we could or couldn't give them or where we felt we did well or didn't do well, we always made sure that they were greatly celebrated because we wanted them to know how important they were. And sometimes we would spend a lot more money. One year we got a horse and buggy. We rented a horse and buggy. I don't even know it's hundreds of dollars that we had to pay for this for a princess party that we put together for both of our daughters. And it was marvelous and it was amazing. But at the end of the day, the most important part about it was the fact that they knew that they were worthy of being celebrated. And I think that's what it really comes down to is, you know, do we feel like we're worthy of being celebrated? Because our self-esteem and our self-worth just seems to really come into play during our birthdays. Regardless, we could do nothing. We could do a ton of stuff on our birthdays. We could feel like people hit the mark or they failed miserably. But at the end of the day, our view of ourselves is going to be magnified on our birthdays. And if you can imagine a spotlight, just imagine somebody standing on stage and maybe they're wearing white, you know, white shirt, white pants or whatever, because a lot of times white is very see-through. Just imagine somebody going up on stage and then a spotlight goes directly on them. The spotlight is actually going to be able to see right through those clothes, right through them. And that's the way that it is on the day of someone's birthday. It's like the world being able to get a peek at all of those things that you feel as though you like about yourself or don't like about yourself, where you feel you are in this period of your life. You know, do you feel like you're successful? Do you feel like you're prosperous? Do you feel like you're in a good relationship or in a relationship? Do you feel like you are beautiful or handsome um, or worthy in any possible way? And so because there's so much meaning that is attached to that, it's very difficult for people to celebrate you. And um, I'll tell you, the people that are listening right now, I'm sure that you can name at least one or two others in your life that are just so difficult to celebrate. I mean, you could literally set up tea with the queen to sit down and to have the queen pour tea for this person and the queen herself bring presents of, you know, gold and silver and so forth. And they still would walk away from the event feeling like there is disappointment. And part of that problem has nothing to do with what you do. You can come up with all sorts of creative ideas. It's not about you. It's not about the way you're celebrating them. It's about the way that they feel about themselves. Because no mighty act is going to make up for years and years of not being celebrated or years and years of being celebrated where there's chaos in the home. For some people who grew up with parents who are alcoholics or, you know, where there were a lot of um, fights and controversy, you know, among family members or whenever people would come together, then birthdays, maybe with the best of intentions, were then attached to chaos and 
um, all sorts of fighting and chaos that had not only in the in the event of the birthday but in your soul you walk away with that chaos that's roaring on the inside of you so when someone wants to give you a party or a celebration that's what you're thinking that's what comes to mind it's not about joy and peace and and everyone going around the table and telling you how wonderful you are it's this one fighting with that one or this one throwing this one out or the brother never shows up or the dad says something stupid or whatever the case may be and so birthdays are just like with holidays, they're riddled with meaning. They have memories to them. And I can remember when I was a child, I told you about all of the events that we had, which were very simple but steady, and that's important. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, but that it's steady and consistent. And so I didn't have any issues with my birthday until I was in college. And I remember in my sophomore year in college, I was in an unhealthy relationship, and I remember that... Um, at that particular time, my roommate had taken a leave of absence from school, um, and so she was gone, and I was missing her, and then I was in an unhealthy relationship, and then I looked out the window the day of my birthday, and my boyfriend was holding hands with somebody else, like walking down right below the window, and it was a horrific birthday. It was a life-changing birthday in the wrong direction, and I remember that my 20th birthday I remember a whole bunch of friends had come over and we're trying to figure out where should we go? Should we have Hawaiian, you know, food? Should we have pizza? Should we have this? And they were all ready to celebrate me, but no matter what they came up with, it wasn't good enough because it was not going to make up for what happened to me the year before. That was an inside job. That wasn't something that they were responsible for. That was something I had to contend with. And it took me a while, even after being married and even after having my children, I would still have some sort of sting as it pertained to birthdays. And the way that I overcame it was that I got control over my birthdays. What I would do is I would decide what I wanted to partake in for my birthday. And I remember one year, you know, because my family was, you know, they would walk on eggshells around it. Like, what does she want to do? You know, what should we, what's going to make her happy? And I remember one year I said, you know what? I just want to go out to dinner. I named the restaurant with my parents and it seemed so simple, but you know what? That's what I wanted to do, and that's what we did. And so when people asked me, oh, happy birthday, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go out to dinner with my family and my parents. And I look back at that now, and both of my parents have gone on to be with the, with the Lord. They've passed away, and I would give anything to have dinner with them now. Back then, I didn't think about it in those terms, but how precious it was to be able to sit across the table from them and celebrate my birthday with them. And I will always remember that. But the best part about that birthday was that I named it, I declared what it was going to be, and I was satisfied because I couldn't blame anybody else. I couldn't allow or wouldn't allow anybody else to be the one to um, take control and decide what, what's going to be good for me. Because I'll tell you right now, with people with issues with birthdays, when you try to do surprises, that's going to be even worse. Because not only will you not hit the mark when you tell them, but you'll definitely not hit the mark when you surprise them. And then on top of which, there'll be some shame attached to it. So I just want you to be aware of the fact that it's very, very involved and that 
it's one of those things that you have to proceed with caution. You have to read the signs of people who are sensitive around this area and not try to jump in and solve the problem, but just realize that there are things that they are going through. And I have learned over the years to reach out through a text message or uh, an email or something to people and to go beyond even trying to celebrate, but to just say something to them that will help to heal their hearts for all of the years that they weren't celebrated or where their celebration was destroyed by a lot of drama and a lot of other things that were going on or where they were supposed to be celebrated and somewhere along the line it took a wrong turn. Maybe they were in a bad relationship and you know that person just was very abusive to them or just couldn't take that one day to be able to be sensitive to that celebration that was going on. And, and it, it's very, very deep. So um, I, I want you to also think about the concept of the lost child. So when you think about alcoholic homes, and this is not just the case with alcoholic homes, but this is where this concept came from. There's lots of roles within the family, like the superhero, you know, the one that wins all the football games and gets all the straight A's and then the scapegoat, the one that's always screwing up, you know, always getting arrested or getting suspended or, you know, getting into trouble with the teachers. And, um, you know, there's, there's other roles as well, but one of them is the lost child. And that's the child that basically has decided somewhere along the line, I am not going to do anything that's going to make waves in either direction. I'm, I can't obviously reach the potential of the person that is the superhero, but I'm not going to screw up because I don't want to add any more pressure to the family. I'm not going to ask for anything to add pressure with finances or transportation. I'm just going to kind of fly under the radar. And that's the child that a lot of parents just, you know, they'll, they'll talk about when they get to them like, Oh, you know, he's so good. She's so good. They play by themselves. Um, they're just super happy in their room. You know, they don't require much and it sounds like a good thing, but at the end of the day, what it really means is that child is severely lacking in attention that that child in a sense is being ignored. They may have been the ones that initiated that, but they have been or will be on a regular basis ignored and almost neglected, not necessarily with food or shelter or anything, but neglected with the attention and the affirmation. And so a lost child is somebody that is definitely going to react to birthdays because you would think that they would carry that philosophy with them into adulthood. Like, don't worry about it, you know, don't. And they might say that, but at the end of the day, what they've really been saying all along is, why won't I be acknowledged? Why won't I be celebrated? Why am I not good enough? Or why do I not weigh in enough to get the attention of my parents, to get the affirmation of my parents? And they take with them this concept of not wanting to be seen or heard or looked at. Because if they are and there's a tension on them suddenly, it causes a whole crisis on the inside of them. And so a lot of people that struggle with birthdays are those lost children. And also, I would say the scapegoats, the ones that have gotten into trouble so much and have caused so much of a strain on the family that when there's a tension on them, it's usually negative. So they certainly don't want to put a spotlight on them if they don't have to. So at any rate, just be conscious of the fact that that is a very, very big reality. And so we want to make sure that we understand 
the whole reasoning behind how a birthday and how a celebration can go in the right direction is not about the party or the cake or the amount of people that are present to celebrate a person. At the end of the day, what we really want is to be acknowledged. What we really want is to be loved. What we really want is to have attention and to know that we matter and to know that we're favored. This is a big thing for people, whether they admit it or not. Even the people that love birthday celebrations. I mean, there's definitely some people that you could have a celebration for the whole month. If, the, if their birthday is May 15th, the whole month of May is dedicated to their birthday. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, being able to extend a celebration. But even them, it says something about what they're thinking on the inside of them, which is basically, I want to matter and I don't want my peers to be better than me or to be more celebrated than I am. It has to do with, again, wanting to weigh in. And sometimes it's about, you know, don't do anything. Don't tell anyone my birthday. Don't say anything to anyone. Don't do a thing. I'll be really mad if you do to come to my, you know, 30 days of celebrations. All of that has some level of insecurity and some level of issues to it. And so I want to bring you to a very, very familiar psalm, Psalm 139. And this is really profound. And this is what it says in verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So this is one of the things I just want to pause here. This is what it's really about is the fact that there is somebody who knows you and really knows you and knows everything beautiful about you and everything ugly about you and about me and still is there hemming you in on every side, knowing your thoughts and just being attentive to you. And that's why birthdays are so hard for us because there's so many days where we feel like nobody's being attentive to us. There's so many days where we feel like we're so misconstrued. We're so misunderstood. And can somebody just understand me? Can somebody just know what I'm going through? Can somebody just notice? Well, I'm here to tell you that somebody is noticing and somebody does know. And it's not the people throwing your birthday party. It's God who knows you when you sit and when you rise. Think about it. When I'm sitting down, when I stand up, he's there. He hems you in wherever you are. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And so what it's really saying is that no matter what I do and no matter where I go, 
you're there and you're watching me and you're with me and it doesn't matter what I experience because your eyes are on me. You know, I remember working with a, uh, a young woman who was in the prison where I used to go and do some work at one point, run some groups and, and I remember her talking about her story about how she had really just blown through relatives and friends and just burned bridges that you cannot even begin to imagine. And it finally came to the point where after she burned all those bridges, she was living a very, very risky life. And she got dropped off in the middle of this rural area at like four o'clock in the morning. And she didn't know where she was, didn't have a phone on her. And she said it occurred to her that there she was. And not one person was wondering where she was. There wasn't one person that was waiting up wondering when she was going to come home or, oh, my God, did something happen to her? Her life had come to a point where it added up to not one human being that was actually worried about her. But at the end of the day, there was one person, and it was God. God knew exactly where she was, despite how many bridges that she burned and so verse 13 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. And so what that means is that God knew each one of us when we were actually in our mother's womb. Not only was he there when we were born, not only does he celebrate every single birthday, but he actually was there at the moment of conception, was there when we were still in our mother's wombs. That's how attentive God is to us. And if we cannot get that affirmation from anybody else on the earth, please know this and hear this, that there is a God who knows you, knew you, and continues to have his eye on you. And that when your birthdays come around, guess what? He already has a book about every one of your birthdays and all the days yet to come. He has a book about you, which is greater than any cake, greater than any party. There is a book about your life. And that's where we need to go. Because if we try to go to a partner, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a family member, a, a mother or a father, sometimes, you know, the Bible says, though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Sometimes we don't get the affirmation. Sometimes parents have said things like, you know, you were a mistake or I wish you were never born. Some people never know their biological parent and they feel as though, you know, they were never celebrated by that person. And there, there are some very real wounds that are associated with that. I'm not going to minimize them, but if we want to get the true understanding of who we are, we've got to go directly to God. No matter what people have told you about God or the ways that God has been attached to this whole legalistic, heavy-duty work mentality of what you have to do to get his love. Forget all of that and just go directly to the source who knows you and, and 
just meditate on the fact that there is one person who really understands you. You could be what the world describes as a total geek and you don't fit into the popular crowd, but you know what? God knows your brilliance. He knows the amazing things about you. You could not have the body type that you think, but God sees your beauty. Like there's nothing that you are. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can say to make God love you any less than he already does or to change his mind about you. And that's where we go to draw from the attention and the affirmation that is there. And what I often tell people in closing, as much as I have an opportunity to do so, when I wish them a happy birthday, I say, you know, happy birthday, you know, beautiful lady or wonderful man or whatever. And then I say, the angels rejoiced the day that you were born. And that is a very true thing. If no one else rejoices, angels rejoice. And I want you to hear that hymn that is being sung about you on each one of your birthdays. And I want you to know that even if you're the only one doing it, you're worthy of celebration. And just like the theme of this entire first season, you are deserving of love. You are deserving of understanding that you're worthy and that you matter. And we want to continue on this vein in the next upcoming season to know how important that we all are and to understand that you are worthy of celebration. Thank you so much for listening. In collaboration with IML Productions, this has been your host, Ginger Wilk, with That Which Matters. Thank you for listening.